Gordie Hamilton, the minister in New Kilpatrick, and I'm recording this at night. Not because I can't sleep, but because there is a wonder outside we don't experience often enough. We're travelling. We're travelling through Lent. But we're travelling within a promise. And that actually ought to be our strapline, not just for Lent, but always. We're travelling within a promise. But that is not just a badge to wear, a statement with an exclamation mark. Living within a promise is a way of life. It is, in many ways, a uniquely faithful thing to do, an ever-evolving, never-ending story of a God and God's relationship with God's people. And for many pilgrims, there is no more primal starting point than being under the stars, which is that wonder that I mentioned. These ancient points of light, some don't even exist now, burned out millennia ago, but their light is still travelling towards us. They seem to be randomly scattered across the midnight blue, but they aren't. When we look at them, when we lie down and stare into the depth of them, we can begin to see patterns. The ancients found bears and sea goats and crabs and warriors there among the stars. We, the children of Abraham, see names, layer upon layer of names, each one a child of the nations, written clearly, wonderfully, lovingly. Such it is to live under a promise. Today we shape the pattern of our time together with resting places on the long path through this promise, for it is ever-changing full of twists and turns, finding symbols and discovering hope in the skies, in the dust, in the land, in our laughter. This is the story of Abraham, and we are mapping the stars. Abram said, You have given me no offspring, and so a slave born in my house is to be my heir. But the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir. No one but your very own issue shall be your heir. He brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and count the stars, if you are able to count them. Then he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed the Lord, and the Lord reckoned it to him as righteousness. Let us pray. Star maker, as we live under a star field of names, may we lift our eyes and know the length of your promise, deep and lasting, stretching back through time, weaving together the names of all creation with light and imagination and story. In such a love, scattered above us and found within us, in the stardust from which we are made, may we trust, 
We are children of the promise, made of promise, known by the promise. And we are yours. So be it. Amen. Night skies always give way to morning. And as pilgrim people, we need beginnings to find our way. At the beginning of Abraham's story, we find him settled and retiring in Ur. But he had this discomfort within him, a restlessness, and it's been playing on him. He's grown wealthy, he's well-connected, he's the iconic retiree. He will be remembered. He has legacy, though not through his own children. But at 75, having dreamed of star nurseries, he chooses, yes, he chooses to leave all that is known to him, all that he understands about himself, all the respect of others, the, the culture that places him in a good and important position as an elder in the community, everything that defines him, that marks him, as appreciated and significant, and he chooses to leave. Leave your land, your birthplace, your father's house, and go to a land which I will show you, says God. These are words that come out the blue. The Bible doesn't prepare us for them. There is no introduction, no clue, no hint. Where have they come from? It makes you wonder if this is as much about God as it is about Abraham. Because up to now, God's attempts at forming a relationship with humanity has been less than successful. Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, Noah, Tower of Babel. It's as if God's experiment with humanity has constantly got off on the wrong foot. So God makes a new attempt. And instead of focusing on all of humanity, as has happened up to now, God brings it down to one person. Sometimes you have to give up your past in order to achieve a future. Both Abraham and God are doing just that. And perhaps we can linger with that ourselves, a Lenten pause as individuals, but perhaps as a church too. What must we give up in our past in order to achieve a future? All the ways the world defines us, calls us successful or unsuccessful. All the ways we limit ourselves by the world's definitions. What might we give up of that past in order to achieve a future. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went 
as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was seventy-five years old when he departed from Haran. Abram took his wife Sarai and his brother's son Lot, and all the possessions that they had gathered, and the persons whom they had acquired in Haran, and they set forth to go to the land of Canaan. Frederick Buchner, the writer, says Sarah and her husband had had plenty of hard knocks in their time and there were plenty more of them still to come. But at that moment when the angel told them they'd better start dipping into their old age pensions for cash to build a nursery, the reason they laughed was that suddenly it dawned on them that the wildest dreams they'd ever had hadn't been half wild enough. We constantly try and bring these ancient characters to life and this is one unexpected moment that makes it easier. Abraham's and separately Sarah's response to this long-awaited good news is to giggle. They were longing for one thing and then it arrives tenfold. They wondered if even their name might survive. No offspring, they're foreigners in a strange land, no long-standing community. But now, their name was ingrained in the future. It was going to live on and live on fully. This is a faith choice. Are we going to choose to survive or choose to live? The danger for us today is that we will make choices over the next year or so so that the church survives. But the greater risk might be to make a choice that we actually live fully and dare laugh at the audacity of it all, knowing that laughter is the joyous resonance that comes from the deepest part of our faith, that cannot see the future, but believes in it. We'll not get there, but we'll take a step towards it that dares to dream what it could be like, but realises whatever we dream won't be wild enough. That's living the promise, and it is what we can choose to be part of. And if we can laugh at ourselves in all of this, then perhaps we are finally taking the promise seriously enough and learning to live with the imagination and daringness of a God who clearly isn't finished with any of us yet. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram. No longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the ancestor of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you, and your offspring after you throughout their generations, for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. 
God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall give rise to nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her. Then Abram fell on his face and laughed, and said to himself, Can a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Can Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear a child? You know, of all Abraham's long years and the promise of starfields and eternal beaches and a name that means father of nations, by the end of the story, we don't have much. Abraham dies having fathered two sons, one with Hagar called Ishmael, given a separate promise of a different set of nations, traditionally the progenitor of Islam, and one son with Sarah. Isaac, and a field. (laughs) That is all he has accumulated at the end of this epic, a son and a field. And it causes you to pause and think. This promise, this covenant, is not between a God and a person, not even a God and a people, but God and generations of people. If we believe in this, We have to pull ourselves up out of ourselves and recognise the length of this promise. Even though the promise is made to a single individual, it takes on a universal scope. In this story, large promises become real through small beginnings. We don't know the end, but living faithfully is the ability to live with delay without losing trust in the promises to experience disappointment without losing hope. There is no shortcut. Abraham had begun. Future generations would build on this. That's us. And that shifts how we think, because living under a promise like this does not serve our self-interest. We can't live under a long promise without constantly being reminded that we are part of a chain of starlight, of stories, of something bigger than any one of us. We don't come away with much as individuals. But each step, each generation, each moment takes on a universal scope. And there's that word that brings us under the stars once more that Abraham witnessed, the prophets knew, under which Jesus prayed, and we marvel. The long promise is our blessing, stretching us beyond self, a collective journey across generations of time and place and faith. And to be reminded of it, just look up. Eternal God of all generations, before and after Abraham, we lay before you the needs of all your peoples 
and living things. God of creation, we have plundered your planet of the riches of minerals, plants and species. Give us and our governments the courage to address the climate change agenda. Encourage all nations to work together to save this precious earth by seeking to understand the very different plights that global warming presents to the smallest and the largest nations. God of the promise, in this time of continuing anxiety for peoples throughout the world, we ask for so much to relieve their suffering. Where there is hunger and drought, Ebola virus in Guinea and coronavirus globally, where there is genocide of the Uyghurs in China, the Muslim Rohingyas in Myanmar and the willful starvation of people by war in Yemen. Please bring your justice and relief. Enabling God, where mankind is able, may we contribute to that relief in our prayers and our talents. Give power to the aid agencies and their volunteers working in remote locations and often dreadful conditions to feed, to educate and to train people to be self-sufficient. Let your love shine through their work to enhance the quality of their life. May we as individuals during this fair trade fortnight continue to support the effort and produce of these indigenous peoples who are beyond our physical reach. God of hope, may we ask for your guidance and strength to all who tend the sick of mind and body, doctors, nurses, all paramedical staff in hospitals, the staff in care homes and those providing social care in people's own homes. May we too provide to all whom we know are anxious or alone and in need of companionship. A phone call, a letter or a card to let them know that they are treasured. God of the living and of the saints, please comfort all who are grieving at the loss of a loved one and may they know that you hold them and those they have lost in your eternal care. God of the long-term plan, as we proceed in our 373rd year as a parish, may we go forward in faith, serving this community as our forefathers have done, sharing the love that inspires all that we do. May we be strong this coming week to reach out to others. In a few moments of silence, wherever or whenever we are listening or watching this worship together, we commend those known to each one of us who need our prayers today. Lord, we name them now. Heavenly Father, to all whom we have named and the countless people we will never know or meet, please give another loving hug of comfort to all who need one at this time. In the name of Jesus Christ, your Son, so be it. Amen.
May the stars light our way. May the season call us into new life. May the word of promise fill us with hope again. And may God journey with us wherever we go. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the common life of our Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Thank you for the invitation to journey together today. We continue our journey through Lent and next time we get up close with 10 words. Yes, just 10. But they are and have been world-changing. These 10 are the Ten Commandments. So a quick quiz. Can anyone tell me what number four is without looking up? Thanks to those who took part in the service today, Jimmy and Gillian Dinsmore for reading and Dougal for praying. We continue to meet online at nkchurch.org.uk and there you'll find information about a new pop-up project for Mary's Meals that only runs for a fortnight, so all the details are in the bulletin or on the website. Talking of fortnights, we're in the middle of Fair Trade Fortnight and we have a Fair Trade project, The World You Want, so there is a link in the bulletin and on the website for a worksheet to fill in your ideas for the world we want. What kind of world of justice, of balance, of fairness? Write, create a poem, design symbols, share a picture. The bulletin has a picture of a number already done. We are putting them all in the hall window and it's looking good. So please do add to it by sending yours by email or a photo or by post or pop through the letterbox. So constantly, lots going on. Take care. See you next time.